0: A while back, I was asking the Lord, Lord, would you repair me in this area? There's a part of my life that I felt just kind of broken. And I said, Lord, would you just repair me in this place? And he spoke to me and he said, no, Jen, I won't repair you. I will restore you. And the contrast of those two words got my attention, particularly because in December, I had prayed about the word for 2022 and I felt like the Lord spoke to me, restore is the word for 2022 for my life. But since then, I've heard many people say this is the word that's in their heart for this year. And even a prophetic word that came forth recently that I'll share on here as well. So in today's episode, we're going to dig into this prophetic word over my life and I think over the church and the nation um, called restore. It's going to be a good one.
1: Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel.
0: Today we are going to talk about restoration. Now this is a word you guys heard in the intro that God gave me for 2022, but I have since discovered it is a word he's given a lot of people for this year and words that have even come through the prophets on the national level or international level. This is a word that is hovering in the spirit and I believe it's available for us to grab a hold of with our faith and pull it into our lives. I really believe this is God's heart for this season not just for me, but for many of us. As I prayed about this episode, this was the topic that kept coming up in my heart. And I just felt like the Lord wanted me to release this to you guys. In fact, I almost didn't do an episode because I feel like, I feel like I may have the Omicron virus. I don't know. Um, But whatever it is, it's just a minor cold. It's literally so minor. It's super minor. um, But it's been annoying. And so I almost didn't do an episode, but this has been on my heart. So I'm winging it last minute. We're throwing this together because I wanted to release this to you guys. Um, but as I had been speaking to the Lord recently and said, Lord, I need you to repair my heart in this area where I feel like my heart's just broken. And it's been fragmented for a very long time from multiple directions. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to fix me. I don't know how to fix this part of my heart. And it was things I couldn't always control. But I knew that along the way, I had picked up some wrong thinking. But every, but it just felt like things were so so buried and so deep and went so deep in my soul. I was just like, God, I just need you to fix me. I was like, would you just repair my heart? Just repair my heart. I would be happy if you just repair this part of my heart. And the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, Julie, I'm not going to repair you. I'm going to restore you. And as he said that, it struck me like, A, there's a difference. But B, the goodness of God just kind of slapped me in the face and made me realize even what poverty mentality I still carry in my relationship with the Lord, that I would say, just give me just good enough, please. Please, God, just give me good enough. And he's like, mm, nope, nope. I'm a God of abundance. I'm going to give you more than enough. And so I looked up the definition between repair and restore to see what the difference is. And um, let me read it to you here. So to repair something means to repair to a good or sound condition after decay or damage to mend. It's kind of like if a a ceramic bowl is broken and you glue it back together and it's able to be used again. It's, It's in great condition. It's repaired. But you might still be able to see the cracks. You might still be able to see where the repair took place, right? So that's what repair is. But restore means to bring back to a former, original, or normal condition. To put back to a former place. To give back and make restitution. To reconstruct to an original state. To improve or even modernize. And so restoration has the essence of, hey, we're not just going to restore you to original design as though those things never happened. We might even make improvements and beyond what that original design was. So that right there is the picture of of God's abundant attitude towards us and the fact that he's so not threatened by our humanity and our fragmentation, and our baggage, and our weakness, he's not threatened by it. He's like, I'm the God of more than enough. I can work with that. And I had this great visual. We went to a service a few weeks ago, and this is one of the times that this word kept popping up. And I had a hard time listening to the guy because the kids were in service. They kept interrupting me. But there's this one part I honed in on um, where he had taken his handkerchief, and he put it on the upper left side of his podium. And he put it up on the left side and he talked for a minute and then he knocked it down on the ground. And so he picked it up off the ground and put it somewhere else on his podium. He goes, Now listen, I just took this handkerchief and I I picked it up and I replaced it. He goes, But it's not restored, it's just replaced. I just put it elsewhere. He said, But if I take this handkerchief and I put it right back where it was and he put it back up on the left corner, he said, Now it's restored. And then he looked at the people, he goes, God wants to restore you. And he said, he wants to put you in that original place. And this was just in December. So again, the Lord is like stirring this word up, not just in my heart, but in many. And so, but it was such a great visual of restoration. God wants to put you right back where you started, but better. And so, It just got inside of my heart. And so I decided, also side note, don't miss Life Hacks. I'm sharing something very practical and fun to make your coffee more delicious. Commercial over. Um, So as I I started looking through scripture, I was like, I want to see what scripture says about restoration. And I'm going to put these passages in the show notes in the description of the episode. So if you want to go back and look at them yourself, you can. But I found, I'm just, listen to these as I read through. A, it's going to really build your faith and your hope. B, you're going to see the many different ways that there are to restore us. There's many different ways. Um, but C, I'm going to pull out at the end three things that I feel like I began to recognize that are important in the restoration process um, that we can walk away with as practical application. Okay, so Psalms 51, 12 says, restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant to me a willing spirit to sustain me. Psalms 80, verse 3, restore us, O God, and make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Psalms 126, 4, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Oh, what a beautiful picture. Jeremiah 31, 18 and 19 says, restore me and I will return because you are the Lord, my God. After I strayed, I repented. After I came to understand, I beat my, I beat my breast. I was ashamed and humiliated because I bore the disgrace of my youth. Lamentations 521 says, Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may return. Renew as days of old. Renew our days as of old. So again, that shows that picture of restoration to what was. Nahum 2.2 says, The Lord will restore the splendor of Jacob, like the splendor of Israel, though destroyers have laid them waste and have ruined their vines. So again, despite what has been done, the Lord will restore. Galatians 6.1, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. Interestingly, that's the first place where we see that we people have a role in restoration is in the New Testament. First Peter 5.10, and the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered a little while, he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast jeremiah 30 17 says for i will restore health to you and your wounds i will heal declares the lord because they have called you an outcast it is zion for whom no one cares meaning even those of you who are rejected that that no one cares for and zion is the bride of christ right zion is is in scripture references the bride of christ the chosen one but it says even though people may call the chosen one No one cares about you. He said, though you have been an outcast, I will restore health to you and your wounds. I will heal because I've chosen you. Isaiah 61, seven, instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion and they shall have everlasting joy. What a picture of restoration in place of shame. Job 42, 10, almost done here. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And then 1 Peter 5, 10, after you have suffered a little while. Oh, we read this one already. The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Oh my goodness. I don't know about you, but my heart is so built up just after reading those. I just love this. Okay. So I saw as I was looking through this and I was thinking through situations, I'm going to read a prophetic word at the end from Lana Vosser, which is a word she released on the Elijah list website, um, I'll explain that in a second, but I'll explain that when I share it. But anyways, it's a word for the nations and you'll see how much of the of the vibe and essence and heart of restoration is captured even in that. So I wanted to read that at the end. but there's three principles that I noticed as I was thinking through those of us who walk through things where we where we need to be restored and and even like watch walking through the story of job and reading about his situation. A lot of times when we go through hardship or we are wounded or we are broken and things start to kind of fall apart within us or around us, there's a natural human response to go inward, to go into self-protect mode, to go into a defense position because we're wired for survival. That's actually just a very human response, fight or flight. We just, when we go through enough difficult situations, it, it wears down on the side of us that functions in virtue and it activates the side of us that functions in survival. And when we go through hardship, it's very easy for sin to creep in, for wrong thinking to creep in, for broken thinking to come in, um, for twisted perceptions of God or of ourselves or of the people around us or of life, for toxic thinking to set in. And so I find that one of these principles that I feel like is essential that I saw in these scriptures is that when restoration happens, there is something that I found connected often in these scriptures is humility. Humility of like, I repented of my sin, I beat my breast, I laid myself low before you, and, or I came to you and cried out, God, please just restore me. There's a humility that's essential. And I remember the Lord asking the Lord, like, God, what is what is the difference between those who sinned and it sabotaged their future and those who sinned and you still use them in great ways? And the Lord pointed out, he said generally, the only difference is if they postured themselves in humility and repentance, because I'm quick to forgive. And whether the broken situations you've gone through and the hard situations you've gone through the losses that you've endured whether they've produced sin in your life or just maybe a hardness in your heart or just a weariness of like i don't know how long i can keep walking like this it can produce all kinds of different responses in us but the best place to hide ourselves is to is to pursue and just fall on our face in that place of humility and brokenness of God I, I literally can't do this and I literally can't move through this and but you have to choose to believe and decree even in the midst of those moments in that humility saying I can't figure this out I can't I can't fix this myself but I know I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus my identity is still sure even though my life feels very fractured right now and and, and in humility it's actually, that's the place where we stay in our true identity. Because in order to walk out of our identity and walk away from it and begin to believe lies about ourselves, we're actually stepping into pride because we're elevating our thinking about us above God's thinking about us. And, the, and humility is to acknowledge God as the ultimate source of truth and wisdom and that, and that we submit to him and his way of thinking, his authority in our lives. And his authority says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is who you are. You're a woman of God. You're a man of God. And you are capable. And I'm going to restore you. And so in humility, submitting ourselves to those truths, even if we don't feel it, even if it doesn't make sense, even if the fruit of our life doesn't say that, you know, even if we're caught up in, you know, wrong behaviors or wrong thinking, that doesn't scream, hey, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But you can continue to decree that over yourself in faith because as you continue to meditate on the truth, the truth will alter your thinking and your altered thinking will alter your behavior. And so the first key that I found is in humility, we submit to the authority of God and refuse to go into a self-protect, defensive, hardened heart position from the pain and trauma and instead, going to lay down, hands open, I surrender this to you. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, I need you to move on my behalf type of a position. So humility, a humble response is important. And we see that with Job. I read through Job's story. And in Job, Job is a man who feared God, loved God. Satan came to God and said, hey, I want to mess with Job. And God said, you may not kill him, you may not harm him, but you may test him. And Job confessed that he had fear in his heart, fear that he would lose the things he loved. And that fear, I believe, was was that access way for the enemy um, that gave him legal access to his life. And so Job lost everything, lost his, lost all his money, lost his possessions, lost his family, lost his children, his servants, everything. And he was stripped down to nothing, and he was devastated. And in his devastation, three of his friends came and counseled him, and they continued to counsel him in condemning, accusing ways. They were condemning who God is, or kind of. They were twisting the picture of God. They were distorting the image of God. They were condemning Job. They were telling him, you should just throw up your hands and quit. And even Job's wife said, you should just curse God and die. And so Job had all these voices going in, that were jacking with him, and God finally showed up and said, okay, I'm going to say a few things. And then God, for chapters, God says, where were you when I hung the earth? Where were you when I hung the stars? And are you going to condemn me? Are you going to, uh," what did he say? He said, are you going to, oh, he said, brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you will answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? That's what God said to Job. And so God was putting Job in his place. But Job's response was, God, forgive me. Woe is me that I have spoken against you. And so Job, before he was restored... He had to humble himself before the authority of God and recognize, oh, yep, you're God. And I was getting twisted in my thinking. I am so sorry. So he humbled himself. He repented before the Lord. He acknowledged who God was and who he was. And so that's that first step. Well, that brings us to our second one, which is where in Job 42.10, it says that the Lord God restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. And I thought it was interesting that it wasn't until he had prayed for his friends who were part of not even maybe the wounding process, but they definitely shamed him. They definitely functioned like enemies in the situation. They definitely were not functioning as friends. So to me, what I drew from that is another key to our restoration process is praying for those who persecute you or those who've been part of your wounding process. And I think some of that is because it, it helps to heal your heart from a place of um, bitterness and unforgiveness, which allows you to get back into a healthy place where you can receive the restoration the Lord brings. But it's also part of the principle of sowing and reaping like God asks us, you overcome evil with good, you bless those who persecute you, you do good to those who um, maliciously use you and there's a there's I believe there's just there's something that 's released, and I wish I understood it even better, but there 's just something that 's released it 's like a test of our character that releases the goodness of God into our life. I remember my husband and I we had been in a lawsuit with um a builder we had bought a house it was our second home. And the builder did not build it correctly. The foundation had all kinds of issues. And within the first year, the foundation was falling on the two sides of the house. And so we had to get piers underneath the house. It was like $10,000 that we didn't have. But the, um, the builder wouldn't honor the warranty. So we ended up in this lawsuit. The lawsuit went on for four or five years. It was ridiculous. And so finally, in the same week, the Lord prompted me and my husband to start blessing our former builder and so we were like you know what forget this lawsuit it may never go through lord i just ask that you bless him bless his business bless his health bless his marriage and Stephen and i both independently not knowing the other one was being moved this way both prayed the lord would start blessing this builder i'm telling you within 48 hours the whole case was wrapped and we had money in our bank account not even joking and I realized in that moment, holy crap, when I start blessing the people who have been a source of pain to me, God brings a restoration. And so that's the second key to pay attention for, whatever you've been through, whether it's uh, the Biden administration and their mandates, whether it's been vaccines and complications from that, whether it's been a boss who fired you or whether it was the local government shutting your business down, whether it was family and things that they've said, whether it was people and, um, you know, political issues, whether it was a family member who passed because of all this COVID stuff, if it was... Anything, to, maybe even unrelated with COVID and all those things. Maybe it was just something different for, you know, some of you. It's been an abusive relationship you've been in for a long time, or an unhealthy marriage, or a toxic friend, or toxic family members, or whatever your situation has been. It's time to start blessing the people who are behind your pain. It's just time to, because you know what? Holding on to resentment, and I'm speaking to myself you, holding on to resentment and unforgiveness hasn't solved any problems yet, has it? Hasn't changed anything. All it's done is made you wrestle. All it's done is made me wrestle. It's made us, our pain greater. It's made our confusion deeper, and possibly distorted our perspective of God in ourselves. And so it's time to just start blessing the people that you don't want to bless. It's time to start blessing the people behind your pain. And I believe that when you start doing that, especially if you do it from that place of humility of God, I don't even want to do this. But in an effort to be submitted to you in, an, in, a, in a faith place that you're going to restore me, I want to do my part and I'm going to release blessing to them. And I'm going to bless those people. Listen, when Stephen and I had gotten <laughs> basically booted from our first church we were on staff with it was a horrible nasty mess our pastor passed away and his family turned on us just in their grief and um and as a result people started spewing all kinds of rumors and lies about us and we stayed for six months um to see the new pastors into place there was a lot of people in the church that didn't know what was going on behind closed doors but but we were getting dragged through it um but the lord strongly told us, A, don't speak of this to anyone. Don't speak ill of these people. But B, when I would drive back and forth from from home to our new church, I would sometimes cry because I'd see all this fear of rejection, all this pain coming up inside of me. And I was like, God, how do I offset this pain? How do I not bring this baggage into my next season? And the Lord said, you bless them. You bless them. It softens your heart. You bless them. And it was hard at first, but I just found what I could bless. You know, God, I asked that you'd bless their health, you know, or, or, or bless their family relationships. And, and I did it not wanting to do it at first, but quickly it became easier. And then when the Lord did reconcile those relationships, I had no malicious uh emotions. I had no ill intent in my heart towards them. I had softness. I had compassion. And I realized that me blessing them was more for my good than anyone because they weren't, experiencing those drives with me. They weren't experiencing the emotions I was experiencing. Only I was. And so by me choosing to bless, I was softening my own heart. I was softening my own experience. I was keeping myself in a healthier place. So it's time to bless the people that are behind your pain. And lastly, the last key that I recognized in reading these passages is restoration is a process that God does. Now we saw of all these scriptures, we saw one in Galatians that said, you're the one who's going to restore a brother who's been caught in sin. And the reason is because in the New Testament, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, we step into partnership with God and we become an extension of him. And so we have the ability to do our part to gently restore people. But in the general whole the restoration of finances, the restoration of joy, the restoration of relationships, the restoration of health. All those things are a work that God does. It's a process God does. It's a healing that comes through him. It's the only part that we play for the most part is being postured in humility, praying for our enemies, and then standing in faith, believing that God is good and his heart is to restore you because he because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and because he is a good God. And so that third key is to stand in faith and trust that God wants to do this. Like I remember in high school, I'd broken up with a boyfriend, my heart was broken, and I just knew I needed God to heal me because I had tried for like months and months to heal my own heart and obviously got nowhere. And so I said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I just need you to do it. And I just remember going and crying and praying, God, I just need you to heal me. I just need you to heal me. I just need you to, to fix me. And really what I was asking for is I wanted him to restore me. And you know, in just a couple months time, he supernaturally did a work in my heart. I don't even know how he did it. It's not like I had these epiphanies along the way or these great revelations or these encounters. Literally, I don't know how he did. He probably did it while I was sleeping. Somehow he worked in my heart and he restored my heart. He just did. And so there is is a very foundational aspect of this that we can't overlook is this is a process God does. We oftentimes like to think that we can do these processes because it makes us, I think, feel more powerful in our lives or feel like, oh, yes, this is satisfying. I'm doing this. The reality is there's things that we just need God to do and only God can do, and it requires us to just trust his hand to be at work in our life. And so I, I just want to encourage you that as you're believing God for healing, firstly, just humble your heart. Humble your heart in the humility of acknowledging, God, I need you. God, I don't want to be defensive and self-protecting and and guarded and, and hard-hearted. I, I just want to get on my face and I want to acknowledge that I need you and I need you to work in this situation. Secondly, pray for the people behind your pain. Pray for the people behind your pain. That is will help you more than it helps anything else, but it also releases, it opens up the avenues for God to pour this restoration into your life. And then thirdly, restoration is a process that God does. And as he restores you, then there's released in your life an authority and and even a knowing of how to help restore others to be that extension of God in other people's lives in other ways but there is just a supernatural process that happens where God is the one who's restoring and healing those broken places and those places where we feel like we've been disqualified or our sin has removed us from the race or whatever it may be God inserts himself right into that place and he doesn't just want to repair you and make you good again He wants to restore you back to original design, even with upgrades, even with modernization, even with upgrades. And so I just want to encourage you guys that that is is the work I believe God is doing right now. And so I want to now share this prophetic word with you from Lana Vosser, and um, I think it will also equally encourage you. So, this prophetic word I wanted to share with you guys is from Lana Vazer, which, interestingly enough, we just connected on Instagram. But I found this on Elijah List, and which, if you don't ever visit Elijah List, it's a really awesome website that consolidates, it's a ministry um, that consolidates the prophetic words of the nations. And really from around the world, the prophets, uh, the fruitful, like legit, solid prophets whose words are recently re- released. Um, so it's a really great way to kind of stay in touch. What are the prophets saying right now over the nations? Anyways, so this is from Lana Vazer, and I've been following her since I discovered her during all this COVID stuff. She kind of emerged and came to the surface somehow, but her prophetic words have been really on point, And I'm reading her book called The New Era. It's been awesome. It's been phenomenal. Anyways, (laughs) that's how we connected on Instagram. I had tagged her in a post I made about her book. Um, So anyhow, so this prophetic word speaks to this restore that the Lord put in my heart. So I'm going to read this to you. It's going to take a minute. But it's titled, His Resurrection Power is Bringing Forth Your Comeback. She said, recently I heard the Lord speaking over many people. It's my resurrection power that's bringing forth your comeback. I saw many men and women who've been in a time of great shaking and breaking, feeling as though they've been knocked out or disqualified. The day to day fight has been exhausting and has left them living in a place where they're constantly fighting the strong urge to withdraw. The Lord began to show me that the hearts of many have been fractured as well. They've endured such a great knocking around that it has left them feeling disoriented, confused, and hurt. Then I saw Jesus step in. The light of the world shone his light into the crevices of hearts. I watched as his eyes were looking for the painful places. He was looking for the dry places. He was intentionally looking for the dead places. He was looking for the hidden places where people had withdrawn because of the intensity of the season they'd faced. I watched as the light and love of Jesus began to flood into hearts. <clears throat> I began to see these hearts come to life in brightness and fruitfulness. I saw those dry and broken places healed and restored. There it is. I saw the disoriented places becoming places of deep revelation. I watched places of weariness become the places of a second wind and fresh breath. I watched the areas of the heart where many had felt misunderstood begin to receive the word of the Lord, that this was the season where they were being brought into context, meaning your pain and your experiences will begin to make sense. Shame and condemnation fell off of these hearts as they were being ushered by the breath of God into new life. They were being ushered into a place of strength and wholeness as his resurrection power was bringing forth and birthing their greatest comeback. I heard the Lord say, Many feel like they've been disqualified, knocked out, misunderstood, and alone. But I'm speaking over them that the time of divine comeback is upon them. Many have endured much that no man has seen. They've endured much behind closed doors. But I have seen. I've been present with these ones, and I'm tenderly loving them back to life again. I'm tenderly loving them back into the places of strength and conviction of who they are and what they carry. Where they've been looked down upon or labeled as wrong because of what they carry or how they carry it, I'm now releasing a fresh commissioning upon them to bring them into the new thing I am doing. It's going to bring not only them, but their entire lives and journeys into context. The Lord continued to speak and said, watch for these ones, for they're now arising in the earth. They're coming up out of the wilderness, leaning upon me they've been in a place of breaking and shaking. They have found my heart in a depth and a way that many have not, because they are not willing to walk the the narrow path. Meaning those that have not found God's heart is because they've not been willing to walk the narrow path. But these ones are arising in the earth now for the greatest comeback of their lives. They're arising with such deep dependency and humility to carry my heart And the new blueprint of my wisdom and my roar will be loud upon them with vindication, favor, provision, and revelation. But also my roar through them will bring forth the manifestation of my glory and power in ways that have never been seen. These ones, (laughs) I can't handle that phrase, these ones. These have been criticized, looked down upon, rejected, and have walked the path of deep misunderstanding. But they're now arising in the earth, carrying my prophetic voice and wisdom in ways that have not been seen. They will no longer be cast to the side, but they will be positioned in this hour, releasing my heart, the uncompromised vision of my heart, and the roar of my voice that will see my glory come with a great weight and manifestation. The enemy has spent so long trying to muzzle these, these ones and disqualify them in what they carry, but that time is over. They're now arising in greater wholeness, power, and strength, and my prophetic voice and wisdom will flow through their creativity and partnership with me. It is truly time for them to take their place. They are taking their place. They are arising with their tribe, and they are going forth to build with me and in my way, not looking to see if it pleases man, but with eyes on me and building according to my way. Watch how my glory comes and the harvest comes. That's from Lana Vosser. And just the whole vibe of that speaks to the dynamic of restoration. And so I wanted to read that to you guys because I feel like it echoes what God has been speaking in my heart and so many others. So I hope that really encouraged you. Y'all, I hope that word encouraged you. It was such an encouragement to me. So just to wrap up this episode, God wants to restore you. He doesn't just want to repair you. He wants to restore you. And to restore you means to put you back to the original design, your original call, that place where you knew that you had this great call and destiny on your life before any mistakes were made, before any wounds came in. God wants to restore you. And so in humility, refuse to self-protect, refuse to harden your heart, refuse that natural impulse that we have to preserve ourselves from pain, refuse to live there. And instead in humility, surrender before the Lord, go into his presence and say, Lord, I have all this crap (laughs) that I need you to deal with, these relationships, these losses, this pain, this sin, I need you to deal with this. And so you lay it before him in humility. And then second thing, Pray for those who are behind your pain. Pray for them because it releases you from your pain just as much as it invites God into the situation. So pray for those who are behind your pain. It may be a gradual process, but do it. Every time that pain comes up, pray for them and bless them. And you'll see the Lord change your heart faster than you thought possible. And then thirdly, when you do those two things, it moves you out of the way so God can move in a restorative way in your life and begin to add your faith and your decrees and your words to your situations instead of focusing on loss and focusing on how hard this year has been or these last two years or these last 17 years or whatever instead of focusing your attention on that focus on God is restoring me God is restoring all that the enemy has stolen God is paying me back for my pain God is going to redeem what was lost I am not just going to be repaired I'm going to be restored and God is the one who does that work he is and so in your faith you just lean into the fact that you don't know how it's going to happen but you know, he's going to do it because he's good and he has promised to. So let me leave you with Isaiah 61, seven, which says, instead of your shame, there will be added a double portion. Instead of dishonor, you will rejoice in your lot. And therefore in your land, you will possess a double portion and you will have everlasting joy. God, I ho- God Guys, I hope this encourages you. Share it with a friend. Don't go anywhere because your life hack is coming right up and it's a yummy one. (laughs) So I'll see you guys next week. I love y'all. Okay, today's life hack is super simple. But I realized I show you guys on Instagram all the time my delicious coffees that I make because uh, hi Java with Jen. Um, And I realized I don't actually tell you how i make them so delicious now we do have an espresso machine and it has a frother arm on it a steam frother which is great if you like your coffee like uber super hot um but i don't always love it because it takes a particular like art to really make the foam turn out just right so i had purchased for my twin sister a frother. It's like an electric frother that I got on Amazon. And it's just a little standalone uh, device that is like the size of maybe two coffee mugs standing on each other. It's like maybe the size of a 32 ounce water bottle or something. Um, And it can do cold foam, uh, low foam, major foam, hot foam, whatever. It can do a few different settings. And I've seen a lot of people use the, uh, what is it? No, not Nescafe, but it's, um, oh, there's other different popular brands out there, but you can find it easily on Amazon. I think mine was like $30 or $40. But anyways, I have it because my sister, I went to visit her and I went in her garage and I found her little foamer in the box in the garage in the giveaway pile. I was like, Sarah! I bought you that for Christmas, and she was like, I know, but I hate foam, I was like, I didn't know that, I thought you would love fancy coffee, and she was like, no, I'm never gonna use it, I said, okay, I'm taking it home. So I took it home and it's literally my favorite because it's small enough. I can take it with me when when we travel, which sounds so diva. I know it's so extra, but like if I just go to my in-laws or, um, you know, see family out of state or whatever, I just bring it with me and then I have my delicious cozy coffee in the morning. So it's just literally you can look up online on Amazon electric frother. I will put the link to the one that I use in the show notes um, in the episode description. So you can find the exact one if you'd like. Uh, But so I just, I literally brew my coffee through my espresso machine, which literally it just makes a drip coffee like anything else would. Um, And then I pour that in my cup and then I make my frother, which I like because I can turn it on and I can walk away from it. I don't have to stand there and babysit it or it can froth while my coffee's brewing. So it is a bit faster than using the espresso machine. Um, And so anyways, it's just easy. And then you just rinse it out and let it dry out. It's awesome. I love it. I think you guys would totally uber love it um, if you're looking for a way to dress up your coffees. So that's my life hack for today. The link will be in the show notes. Otherwise, you can just go on Amazon and search electric coffee frother and take your pick. There's some great ones out there. So you guys, thanks for listening today's show. If the if the word I shared today was really meaningful, would you do me a favor? And you can do any number of things. Share the episode if you think it'll encourage someone that goes such a long way. I have been so grateful. People send me Podcasts and 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 shows and messages all the time, and some of them have genuinely changed my life. So, um, be that friend and share it with someone. You don't know who might be really encouraged by this episode. Secondly, if you haven't done it, and you would be so inclined to go wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. Um, iTunes is is, I would say best only because that's the platform that's used the most, but. Um, feel free to leave a review on there or you can leave a review on Facebook on my page as well. But I just really like to hear what y'all's perspective is. Obviously, I do this show not for my sake, but for y'all's sake. So it really helps me to know what you're thinking. And um, and simply, if you just want to snag a screenshot of you listening and throw it in your stories on Instagram and tag me so I can see who's listening and, and what you're thinking about it. Y'all, you have no idea how much life it gives me when I see those things. Um, but it also kind of is like a compass for me to know what's resonating with y'all and what's not. So anyways, that's super helpful for those of you who want to go that extra mile. It it's really just helpful for me. Um, and it helps get the word out as well. So thanks for checking in. Speaking of coffee frothers and coffee, Don't forget to check out the merch store and get you some Java with Jen coffee. When you go to the merch store at javawithjenmerch.com, Up at the top, there's some tabs, and there's a tab that says coffee. And if you go there, you'll see two different coffees. One is a dark roast, one's a light medium. They're both supplied by Didami Coffee. They're amazing. They're organic, naturally resourced. And listen, they don't have preservatives. A lot of people don't know coffee has the highest measure of preservatives of almost any grocery on the market, which shocked me when I found that out, especially K-Cups. It's like the worst. So this does not have preservatives this coffee is clean and pure and it's not going to jack you up really bad I have found when I drink it I don't get all jittery Um, and I think the preservatives when I have coffee with preservatives has something to do with that jittery effect but anyways go check it out the bags are only $12 a bag so it's way cheaper than like Starbucks but it's just as good of quality if not better so go check them out javawithjenmerch.com and I'll see you guys next week
1: Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon. Or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one day at a time.